Well, it's good to see you. I'm not Joe. Uh, Joe's a little under the weather today, so I'm Jeff Ross. If you haven't met me yet, I'm one of the dis- uh, associate pastors uh, here uh, at the church and uh, have been in here a couple of times, so most of your faces look familiar, uh, and I'm glad to be here this morning. Our scripture uh, is from the Gospel of Luke, the seventh chapter, verses 36 to 50. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at a table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, Simon said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. No rules. So uh, looking at this story of Simon and this woman, it's interesting she's not named, uh, and, and Jesus Uh, And that Luke has recorded this story. I wanted us to kind of jump into uh, the story and look at this woman and Simon. Because I think that oftentimes we try to make it a contest. Who is the bigger sinner? Who's the bigger saint? Which one's the character that's good? Which one's the character that's bad? Uh, Who do we try to be like? Who do we not try to be like? And I think to do some of that is, is, is not really staying faithful to the text. I think that Luke is trying to communicate something else, and I think Jesus is trying to communicate 
uh, something else. So I was looking for kind of a, a metaphor or, or uh, uh, something to kind of help us uh, get this a little bit or, or use it to help us walk through this this morning. So I, 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 I kind of stumbled upon um, uh, the, uh, the kids' little rhyme, I guess, hokey, the hokey pokey. Any of y'all know that? Anybody want to come uh, perform that for us? So how does a hokey pokey start? You, put your, you start with your right or your left? You're right. So you put your right hand out. You took your right hand back. You can do it if you want. You put your right hand in and you shake it all about. You do the hokey pokey and turn yourself around. That's what it's all about. And so it's interesting how the song sort of progresses, right? It starts off with something where, you know, you don't have to be that engaged and you don't have to be uh, all that committed. You just kind of stick your hand out and then maybe turn around. Maybe you don't, maybe the first time. But then as the song progresses, you gotta, there's a lot more buy-in. There's a lot more that's asked of you, right? You put both hands in and you put your feet in. And then before long, you put your whole self in and you're shaking it all and you turn. So you, you risk this sort of uh, looking a little silly. So in our story today, this, this woman, I mean, she just throws her whole self in. And it's interesting that that's how the song goes. You do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself uh, around, and that's what it's all about. Uh, and so her belief that she's going to put her whole self out there, I mean, she's kind of on display. She's uh, willing to risk the ridicule and whatever anybody says. She doesn't really care. She's focused on Jesus, where it seems as though Simon on the other side is kind of sizing up Jesus. Um, and he's looking at him, and he's kind of testing him, and he's watching him. Uh, and so not really sure if Simon is in or out or where he is. Maybe this dinner was a chance to kind of get to know Jesus a little better, and after the dinner he'll sort of decide. Maybe he was the Pharisee uh, where all the other Pharisees said, hey, you invite him over and check him out, and then you report back to us. Uh, not really sure what's going on here. Uh, but Simon doesn't seem to be... Uh, all in uh, with this. And so let's spend a little bit of time looking at, at Pharisees. So in Jesus' day, two groups uh, that, that pretty much uh, uh, talked about the law and interpreted scripture and kind of gave advice to people and set the rules uh, for how we're supposed to act and how we're supposed to live. And they were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Sadducees served in their positions because of their birth. They were born uh, into a family that allowed them to be one of the Sadducees. If you weren't born into the right family, you couldn't be a Sadducee no matter how much you knew the law, no matter how hard you worked, no how, nor how much money you paid. You, you couldn't be a Sadducee unless you were born into the right families. Pharisees, on the other side, were people who went to school, studied, and applied, uh, and then were chosen because of their knowledge to be a Pharisee. Uh, in the New Testament, Paul was a Pharisee. 
He was one of the folks who worked really hard. If you know many of the stories about Paul, especially in the early days, he's working really hard uh, and is a master of the law. And so both groups are studying the Old Testament, the laws, the rules of the Jewish community and Jewish culture, uh, and they're telling people how their current behavior or ideas or thoughts uh, are uh, adhering to Scripture or against Scripture. So they were the ones kind of walking around going, no, you can't do that. No, don't do that. No, don't do it that way. Here's the right way to do it. And so Jesus comes uh, at a point in time in which the Pharisees and Sadducees are fighting with one another. Again, they should be on the same team working together to help people understand God. But what had happened by the time that Jesus came around is the Sadducees had a way of living that was different from the rules and way of living that the Pharisees had decided upon. And so they both, in both of their camps, were looking at Scripture and looking at writings and look, looking at culture to prove their way of living and their point to the others so that they were right. So the Pharisees were fighting against the Sadducees and the other way around. Instead of looking after the good of the people, which was their role and their job, they were looking after protecting their own view or way of looking at the world. And it caused this disconnect from, with people and the church. Sounds a lot like today. And so Jesus comes uh, to help people get back on track. And so this story is a really interesting story that Luke preserves for us and tells about this interaction and what the point of the story is versus who's the winner and who's the loser. Because the Pharisees wanted to win. We're right. You're wrong. Do things our way. The Sadducees, the same way. We're right. Uh, you need to admit that and do things our way. And it was causing confusion uh, in the church. So Jesus comes to say life isn't a contest to find out who's right and who's wrong. Jesus comes to help us see something a little different. And so it's interesting then how you read the text. So... We're at Simon's house, and again, we're not really sure the reasoning behind the dinner, but Jesus is invited, he accepts, he goes, this woman crashes the party, uh, and uh, as we see later in the story, as Jesus explains it, she has had this transformational experience because of Jesus and Jesus' love and grace, and she wants some way to thank Jesus and to demonstrate kind of the all-in. She's, I mean, she's in the middle, hokey-pokey and turns around. Uh, she doesn't care who sees. She doesn't care who says anything. She doesn't care. She's not even listening to Simon's comments and other people uh, in the room. Uh, and so she's put her whole self in. Simon, though, seems a little more interested in picking Jesus apart. What has he done? Looking. He, he, he wants to criticize or challenge the rules whether or not Jesus should allow this kind of person to touch him, to be near him, to do these kinds of things. You know, Jesus, there are rules against this sort of way of acting and living and, and allowing this to happen. And so it's at that point that Jesus talks about this story. Two people are in debt. Uh, the person forgives the debt. Who is the more gracious of the two? 
And so thankfully, at this point, Simon kind of backs away from some of the rules, and he gives the obvious answer. You know, and I think that that's more getting towards where Jesus is trying to get and where Luke is trying to tell this story. I'm thankful that all through the Old and New Testament that the writers simplify things as much as possible. We, we tend to overthink. So there's all these rules that we have to keep. So well, we're trying to keep up with a hundred rules. But Jesus comes along and he says, let's just, let's kind of make this simple. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, let's just do that, okay? Let's not have to worry about all of these rules and laws. The rules and laws are important in some arenas and discussions, but for the message that Jesus was trying to get through and for communicating with people, regular folks, that was the message that needed to be communicated. Just, just do this, love and compassion. And so sometimes we, we just overthink it. There's a, was a driving down the road this past week, and my wife was listening to one of her favorite uh, artists. She has a, 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 a playlist that she's listening to. And, and I, I, I listened to the words of the song uh, maybe for the first time. It's by a guy named Loudon, I think I'm saying that right, Wainwright III. Okay, some folks have that on your playlist. What was Loudon Wainwright III's uh, most popular song? What? Okay, wrote the theme to MASH, yeah. Uh, And and that's pretty popular, you're right. Forgot about that one. (laughs) One of his popular songs was Dead Skunk in the Middle of the Road. And he just kind of chronicles how the skunk died and how it smelled. Uh, but the song that we were listening to is called The Swimming Song. And so here, here are the words to The Swimming Song, just the chorus, the first part. This summer, I went swimming. This summer, I might have drowned. But I held my breath. I kicked my feet. And I moved my arms around. <laughs> Pretty simple, right? So you, you're kind of wondering, did he really almost drown? I mean, he knew to do that, and, and wouldn't you not drown if you did that? And so sometimes you, you may run across somebody that looks like they're drowning, and you can say, hey, uh, hold your breath, move, move your arms around, kick your feet. It's pretty simple. Life doesn't really have to be uh, that complicated. But it's interesting that in this passage that, uh, and there's a lot of parts of this passage we could go in and pick apart. And I think that's our struggle. We want to go in sometimes in things like this and we want to find out who was right and who was wrong. Who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? Who did things the way they're supposed to? We have to lift up one of these characters, and to do that, we have to put down the other character. There has to be a right way, and there has to be a wrong way. If I win, that means you lose. Or We have to create that sort of competition, and so we, we do that in lots of places in our lives, and it's so sad that we do that in the church. We're right, you're wrong. It's, I mean, it's the basis for so much of the religious mess that we're in today, but I don't think that was the point of this passage at all, and I sure don't think that that's why Luke has included it 
uh, in the gospel because Jesus isn't trying to set up a contest. He's not trying to lift up winners and losers. He's not pointing to Simon as the bad guy and the woman as the good person. He's, he's not trying to say, do this and don't do that. He's trying to show that we're all sort of at a different place in this. We might have a right arm in, or a right and a left arm in, or a, a foot, or our whole self. And we may be somewhere in the middle of that, but that doesn't mean that one place is right and one place is wrong. Jesus is inviting us all through the Gospels. Jesus is inviting us to come along. He's inviting folks to follow him. He's inviting folks to come along on a journey. He's inviting folks to look after their world in a different way. He's inviting people to see each other in a different way. He's inviting people to experience grace. He's inviting people to be gracious. He's inviting us to learn from each other. It's the same thing that happens in the story of the prodigal son. Uh, one son lives life one way, the other son lives life the other way. We want to make one good and the other bad, uh, but they're both people. And they both represent a lot of different ways of living life and seeing life and understanding life. Well, here too, the woman has a lot to learn. She's not perfect, but she's not awful either. She's come to an experience of, of mercy and grace that's overwhelming to her, and she simply wants to respond to that and offer Jesus this gift. Simon has a lot to learn. He's not perfect either, but he's not awful. He's doing what he's been taught to do and what the instructions of the Pharisees are. He's worked hard to get where he is, He's well on his way, but he's not at the destination yet. He's not at the end of the road. He hasn't arrived. But he's not the bad guy in the story. The Pharisees and Sadducees are spending all their time trying to prove their points to make the other wrong, and they've missed the heart of God by overthinking. This morning, we're going to uh, have an opportunity. Some of you may have been to this service before, uh, where we remember our baptism. In the Methodist church, we don't rebaptize. Once you've been baptized, that's an act of God, and it's good forever. Uh, but uh, there's something about the water, the cleansing of the water, the, the baptism that we experienced. It was so nice this morning. Uh, to have the locks and brooks uh, and, and to, to see that and to experience that. And so at the end of the service, uh, in just a moment, we're going to ask you to come forward, if you would like, and simply touch the water. You may, uh, may want to splash it a little bit. You may want to put it on your face. You may want to rub it in your hands. You may, you may just want to touch it ever so gently. It's kind of like the hokey pokey. We're not going to encourage you to put your whole self in. But this is you and God. What would be meaningful for you today to experience the touching the water and the grace of God in your life? I don't know where you are. I don't know if you're more like the woman. 
uh, or more like Simon. If you feel pretty self-righteous about where you are and who you are, or if you know that you come to this service and stand before Christ uh, as a sinner in need of all the grace that God has. But we want to invite you as the band comes to play, uh, just to experience the grace of God, to touch the water, and to allow God to, to speak to you maybe in a new way. So I don't know as we're going through this new year, maybe, maybe you've had a hand in and said, yeah, I'll, I'll try it, but I'm a little timid, I'm not really sure. And maybe it's time to put another hand in or a foot. Or maybe you're all in, you're ready to go, and, and make you th- maybe you think you got it all figured out. I invite you to listen to God. It's not about, it's not a contest between you and anybody else. It's simply about us hearing and feeling and experiencing the grace of God and then doing, going, living out how God calls us to respond. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks for your mercy and for your grace, for your strength, for your awesome power and light and direction. And sometimes, God, we we figure out our way and we don't listen to your way. So we ask you, God, open our hearts. Help us to to recognize we're, we're not all bad that you've called us and you love us and you care for us no matter where we are. But also help us to remember that you're leading us on a journey. So what's the next step? Where would you have us go? For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.